Welcome to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRR. I'm Alex Gehring. And I'm Bobby Howe. Did I blow out the the speakers, Bobby? Is that what you're laughing at me? Yeah. No. That's what you always do. I went too loud again. I know. It's a consistent thing. Bobby, how are you? I am amazingly tired. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's you're where I'm- You're a world I... traveler in a tour bus and everything. Yes. So- Rock star. Fact. Fun fact. So our tour bus, I posted it on Facebook because we lived there for an entire week. We didn't realize it until we got back and our bus driver friended us all on Facebook. But the bus we were in last week was named Warpaint in honor of Lamar Hunt and the Kansas City Chiefs. So you all are welcome for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory because we got a home riding in their bus all week long. What a crazy, like, two weeks that we've had here. We have. Like, well, I, I, A, I've had a crazy two weeks myself, and we had a crazy two weeks in Kansas City. So, you know, we left uh, on our bus tour early so we could get to Birmingham in time to watch the game. Because at one point, we were going to be arriving to Birmingham, like, at the very end of the game. And we're like, no, 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 no. So we left Saturday at midnight. We got into Birmingham about 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon, unloaded all of our stuff. And then we thought, well, we're in Alabama. There's no professional sports teams in Alabama. So we're going to be safe watching the game here. Hmm. Didn't think Jalen Hurts played for Bama till they shipped him off to Oklahoma in place of Tua. So we were surrounded by, in the re- uh, the hotel bar restaurant thingamahooey, we were surrounded by Philly fans. It was hilarious because I mean, normally if I'd been at home watching the game, I would have been watching with family and with friends. It would have just all been chiefs people. There was something really fun about watching the super bowl with the opposing team. Cause Philly would do something good and they'd be yeah, 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 cheering. And then Kansas city would do something good. And it was quiet. And we'd go, we can't hear you. And so <laughs> it really was a fun experience watching, um, the super bowl. In Alabama, it was not fun watching the parade while we were in Mississippi, though. Did you go to the parade? Do you know no, people who did? No, I know plenty of people who did. That yeah. is not my domain. Like, not not really. That's a that's a lot of people in one place. My biggest. So I would have enjoyed it. The mm-hmm. problem is I didn't want to get stuck. Like the idea mm-hmm. of wanting to leave and not being able to completely turned me off from going at all. So this idea that I wouldn't be able to get to my car. And even if I did get to my car, I wouldn't be able to leave. Uh, and I'm not doing that. I, I don't, it's too giving up a little too much control for Alex scaring. I can't handle that. I yeah. also don't talk to, about myself in the third person very often. So it just, you just did. there. Yeah. That was, that was, that was fun. That was, that was cool. Um, so I know your girls aren't in school yet, but Sarah's a teacher. She's in the school district. Did Spring Hill close down for parade day? Yeah. So she had the day off. Uh, she's not a teacher. She's payroll coordinator for the school district. Uh, but she did get, and even, so it's a 12 month employee. She even got the day off and that never happens, uh, in, in education. So, uh, that was exciting for her. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it was great. So she got to like, she came to my office and we watched the parade here in the office. That's, that's the way we did it. It was great. I like it. That's what St. Joe closed their schools for Wednesday as well. And everybody's like, you're an hour away. I was like, right. But they said we wouldn't have enough teachers and administrators unless we did close the school. And then because of the ice and the snow that came through, there was no school Thursday or Friday either they only went the only day they went to school last week was valentine's day and i was like yeah and they just partied 
Yeah, that's that's all that they did. Yeah, for my girls, we had uh, they were at school the entire time last week. So that's the thing about a Montessori school is they they don't close for anything, but they did close for President's Day. So they had the day off yesterday. Poor Sarah had to have her day off uh, with because she got twelve month employees apparently get President's Day off now too. I didn't. It's a new thing, I think. Uh, so she got to hang out with the girls, uh, which was not relaxing, I don't think. so. Uh, it was not a day off. She would have probably no. rather been doing payroll coordinating. Yes, yes. So 100%. anyway, that's the deal. What, uh, anything crazy like business-wise going on? I mean, spring came like real early, which I think that we've already talked about. And yeah. it just kind of feels like even with interest rates being up there, not a whole lot has changed other than affordability, which is already a problem. So, I mean, I just sold my house off market and I had multiple offers. So, I mean, I wasn't even on the market and had multiple. So it's things just picked right back up where they left off. We're just, you know, it's the whole steam ahead. It's, you know, I think can't hold us back for too long. No, I think that the, the topic that we have today is really important though, as well, because when we have as much competition, uh, as we have in the marketplace and, and as we have had in the marketplace now for the last, you know, five plus years, um, when we see something that seems different to us, we mm-hmm. shy away from it so quickly as an industry. We have a great fear for things that we don't understand or things that we recognize. So I'm really excited that we're bringing in uh, a, an Islamic financing uh, expert to talk to us about this, because I do think uh, that there are people who see Islamic financing as part of the contract and they don't understand it uh, and it looks different than they're used to and the the terminology is different than they're used to and they don't look and really like entertain those offers sometimes it's a serious issue yeah i mean people don't quite even understand escalation clauses and va loans let alone you get into islamic financing and you're just like someone's like i don't want to i don't want to learn i don't want to learn something new and i'm sorry when you stop learning, you stop growing, which means you start dying. And let's That's right. get away from that and let's expand our world to be bigger and better. So that's what we're here to do today for you listeners is help you from help keep you from dying. That's what we're doing today. Wow. I feel like you just really just expounded on that a lot farther than I think we were quite ready to. So <laughs> sorry, Bobby. No. Sorry, Bobby. Um, so uh th- uh, let's talk about the uh, YPN roundtable on March 8th about inclusivity. I know that fits right into this. I mean, it does. granted, we may or may not talk about Islamic financing at this event. However, this is a form of inclusivity. It's important as realtors, we're educated on the diverse needs our consumers may have during real estate transactions. So we know how to advocate for our clients. So that's why it's so important. We talk about inclusivity, including things like Islamic financing, you know, the YPN, they're going to be having that those roundtables, like you mentioned, on March 8th, and they're down at the event space at Shop KC Midtown. And I think it's going to be a great event. And I hope to see a lot of people show up because I know that uh, DEI is just, you know, the hot button word. But when we truly stop to think what that means and what that brings to the table is that inclusivity is all about hearing every voice that's out there even the voices that don't agree with ours and at least listening to them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with them, everybody all the time, but at least we're hearing what those other voices have to say. 
And again, we're in such a competitive marketplace. If there are people that are underrepresented or if uh, there aren't opportunities because of the way that they need to finance things or whatever the case may be, it only further restricts uh, the uh, number of people that can actually participate. It's, it's, it's a serious situation and it's more uh, than just a hot button issue. Uh, it's about people being able to actually participate in the marketplace. So, um, Exciting so if you're funny. interested in going to the YPN roundtables on March 8th, you can register on your KCRAR member portal. And if you're wondering what the member portal is, join the club. I'm sure there are plenty of people that have never gotten onto their member portal. Uh, but but this is a great opportunity part of the MLS. to explore it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that thing you get when you log into the MLS. It's there too. Trust me. Trust me. Bobby, so. do you have a book bit? You know I do. Okay, so uh, do 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey, a little extra rainstormy last night. All right, so my book today is "Lead Yourself First by Raymond Keithledge, and it's a book on leadership that highlights the importance of solitude, putting order in your mind, and growing self awareness about yourself before you go lead other people. Um, and I thought this is an especially important message just with all the noise we have in our world <laughs> right now. And my quote from the book is, like anyone else, a leader must recognize that each person is an end in himself. It means instead to make others embrace your goals as their own. But to do that first, you must determine your goals. And so the book talks about Leaders make their people want to follow and participate in accomplishing a common goal, and they do this by setting a prime example of great work ethic and confidence. Unlike a boss, a leader doesn't impose certain tasks, but defines them and then delegates what those tasks are. So my three lessons from the book, lesson number one, solitude is bliss if you embrace it and learn to control the four essential aspects of your life with solitude. So the book talks about that solitude is one of the most powerful tools you can have as a leader because it allows some unstructured time for your mind to recenter and run deeper cognitive processes. The book suggests using solitude to gain leverage over our four aspects, which are clarity, creativity, emotional balance, and moral courage. Clarity implies switching off the connection to the outside world once in a while so you have time to recharge and gain a clearer perspective. Um, it talks about the constant input of distractions can throw off your balance from that um, responding to emails and spot checking notifications, all those things that come at us constantly is that sometimes we just need to turn everything off and step away to get that better clarity we're seeking. Number two, and I love this one, get over your fear of missing out and focus on your work. Um, talks about that same vicious loop of that emails and texts and that constant flux of stimuli has rewired us to constantly be checking those pop-up things. How many of us can say that if you were to receive a message right now, you wouldn't immediately jump to check to see what it is? That's just our human nature that we live in. However, when we're really engaged in a task or we're running some errands, FOMO can be a real distraction from our attention on our work, 
which will likely result in a poor outcome from us because we're just so distracted from it. Talks about turning off our phones and banning distractions can be highly beneficial in the long run, even if it feels like in the short term, you're missing out on something in that moment. There's always time to catch up later. And then the third and last lesson from the book is worldwide leaders use solitude as a retreat to heal and come back stronger. And so should you. Um, at times, decluttering our mind starts from within and banning outside factors is just complementary. Uh, mind chatter, overthinking, negative emotions can all interfere with our minds and disturb us. Any healthy approach to getting your mind to stop stressing and thinking all the time is beneficial to you and your body. And then it gets into some great leaders and historical leaders around the world, but it talks about those great leaders and historical personalities have always been in, um, advocates of such practices of going into solitude and being alone for a while. And so Lead Yourself First by Raymond Keith Lynch um, is just a great book about how to turn off the noise and focus on yourself first. I think that's great. I, I think the other thing is how how about how much time all of those notifications and uh, my phone buzzing and everything else takes away from my family. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 that my time with my family is is so valuable, and I, I find myself distracted all the time when I'm at home. Yeah. I have to work it, really hard to to combat that, and uh, and it's uh, something that I've really worked on, and I feel like I've been a lot better about making sure that I I do prioritize my family when I'm at home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those things. It's not like a quick five second interruption where you read a text or you read an email right when it comes along, but you don't deal with it right then. You save it for later. Yet subconsciously you're already starting your reply in your brain. And so if you were in the mm. middle of a conversation, you just read that email, you're now no longer engaged at the same That's level right. Right. that you were before. You're, That's right. You've removed yourself. And so we owe our families, we owe our people that matter to us to at least be engaged and in the moment. And if the person that's sending you that message or anything else, whatever the notification might be, if they don't understand that that should take priority, then they're not somebody that you should have in your life. That's yeah. that's 100% my feeling on that. So let them go. Kick them out. Right. All right. right. You know what we should not kick out? Our guest. We should go find our guest. So today, we already said we're going to have someone speak about Islamic financing. Today, we are bringing on Mohammed Kassar. He's the regional manager for Guidance Residential, and he's an expert in Islamic financing. And we are so excited to bring him on. And I know I'm definitely 100% going to learn from this conversation, and hopefully, you all will too. Let's do it. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk. We're here with our guest, Mohammed Kassar, who is the um, regional manager for Guidance Residential. Thank you for being here with us today, Mohammed. Um, give us a little bit. We're going to talk Islamic financing. We've already warned everybody about that, and we're excited for this conversation. But give us your background of how you got into lending and if you did anything before that. What What's your history? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, helping us spread the word about uh, Islamic financing, you know, the faith-based side of uh, financing, ethical side. Uh, a little bit about myself. I've actually been in the finance world for over a decade now. Uh, I previously worked for Chase Bank as a uh, relationship banker. I was also a licensed um, uh, uh, financial advisor with them as well. And, you know, one day I just kind of looked up and I said, am I, am I doing something that helps my community? Am I doing something that helps uh, you know, the people that that matter most, you know, the, the ones that are around me. 
And the answer simply was not as much as you could be, right? And so I looked into getting into the mortgage world. And as, as, a, as a practicing Muslim, you know, one of the things that is one of the biggest sins in our deen is in our, in our religion is dealing in interest, right? Whether it's paying interest, whether it's receiving interest or any kind of interest uh, type transactions. And of course, being working at a bank, that's all you do. You know, you're doing interest bearing credit cards and, and auto loans and mortgages. And so, you know, I looked into this, this, this industry uh, back in 2014 now uh, is when I made the switch to this industry. And I, I found myself, I really found my career, I found my calling and uh, made the switch and have been loving every single day of it. You know, not only do I uh, get to help my community to, you know, achieve the American dream of home ownership, but we also help them to do it while staying true to their, their core beliefs, their, their religious beliefs, right? And that's something that, you know, that this country affords to everybody, you know, whether you're, whatever your religion is, whatever your belief system may be, you have an avenue to, to follow those, um, those, those dreams. And so, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's obviously a roller coaster, right? There's, there's ups and downs. We're, we're, we're in the middle of a down right now a little bit, but that's okay because we know that, you know, this, this type of business, like I said, has ups and downs all the time. And, um, and if we're not here for our customers in the downtime, we cannot expect them to be here for us in the uptimes. And so, you know, it's, it's a great business to be in. I love working with my realtor partners. Those, those they're the, they're the, the, the backbone to our business, really. You know, it, without us, uh, they can't finance anything. Without them, we can't finance everything, anything. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a symbiotic relationship. And we are, we're always looking to grow that relationship with our realtor partners. We're looking to send business to our realtor partners. And of course, you know, as, a, as a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, looking to get some business back from our realtor partners as well. So, Mohammed, talk to us a little bit about the differences between Islamic financing and a traditional mortgage. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, Alex, it's it's actually a very, very small difference. It's not uh, it's not something dramatic, right? Basically, to, to truly understand how Islamic financing works, let me just take a second and explain what the conventional financing, what what your Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America does, right? Essentially, when you go to them, you're buying, let's just say, for example, purposes a hundred thousand dollar house. You're going to say to them, I want to buy this house. They're going to lend you money, right? They're going to lend you that $100,000, and then you're going to pay them back $120,000 with interest over, let's just say, a period of 10 years. That's a very simple forward you know, loan transaction. Now, Islamically speaking, there's only one loan, one loan, like in that particular uh, aspect, loan transaction that's permissible, and it is called a loan for charity, where if I lend someone any amount of money, whether it's a dollar or $100,000, I can only take back from them exactly what I gave them, right? And the only return or the only um, ROI, I guess, if you will, is good deeds, right? It's like I help this person get out of a debt or I help this person, uh, you know, not uh, lose their apartment or, or whatever the situation may be. So for that reason, we cannot be structured as a lender. We cannot be structured as a loan. And Guidance Residential actually sets itself apart by not being a bank, right? We're not a bank. We're not affiliated with the bank. Uh, we have the only bank affiliation, I guess, if you want to think about it, that we have is where we hold our own funds, our, our you know, business accounts. So what we do that's different is rather than lend the customer the money to buy the house, we actually buy the house with them as a partner. And so, you know, in the conventional world, you're, you're buying the house and on the title or on the deed, the owner, the person buying the house is 100% owner from day one, right? 
even though there is a lien on it from the bank, but the, the owner himself has 100% ownership. With us, it's different. With us, their ownership at the very beginning depends on the amount of their down payment. So let's just say they're putting a 5% down payment. They are only going to own 5% of that house, and we are going to own the other 95%, right? Now, a lot of times the question comes up is like, well, how do you guys make your money? Where, like, how does that work exactly, right? And so, you know, obviously, if they own 5% of the house, we're not going to come to them and say, hey, this is your 5%. You get like half of a bathroom and we're locking up the rest of the house until you buy it from us, right? That wouldn't make any sense. So what we do is we, of course, let them use the entire home. And every month they're going to pay us a fee. Uh, we call it a utilization fee to use the portion of the house that we still own, right? And so in their monthly payment, and this is why I'm saying it's very similar, but there's key differences here. In their monthly payment, what happens is a portion of their payment goes towards utilizing the portion of the house that we own. And another portion goes to buying additional shares from us. So after, let's just say after the first payment, their ownership shares are gonna go up to 5.1% and ours is gonna go down to 94.9%. Okay. And it's going to keep going this way all the way until, of course, they own 100% of the house. Now, again, very similar, but a, sure. but, a, but a key difference is that we're not lending them the money, but rather entering into a partnership with the homeowner to, uh, to purchase this house. Now, what does that mean, right? There's something very important that comes out of being a partner with your financing company rather than being in debt to them, right? Sure. Well, first and foremost, it means that you have a partner right? You don't have someone, you don't have a loan shark essentially, right? And so if God forbid something were to happen, uh, for example, if the house, uh, you know, were to fall into a natural disaster or imminent domain uh, or anything like that, we are going to actually share whatever losses come out of that procedure or that process um, according to our ownership percentage. So if something happens when the owner, the, you know, the homeowner is at 10% ownership, and we're still at 90, we are going to take 90% of that loss. And they're only going to take 10%. And of course, it gets flipped the other way, uh, depending on their on their ownership shares. That's something that I can guarantee you right now, no conventional bank in that's this right. country will tell you, right? They cannot say, I'm going to share with you in losses. They're going to say, hey, if you lose, that's on you. If you win, then that's on you. You know, that's great. That's good for both of us. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things that, you know, that sets us aside is, is the ethical side of financing too, right? Is that, you know, if, if God forbid, again, something were to happen, even if in case of a default, you know, I'm sure we've all heard this term deferment, deferment, deferment the last couple of years, right? COVID brought this thing to light. What I want everyone to know is Guidance Residential has, has employed a deferment policy since our inception in 2002, right? Um, and, and it's very, obviously it's a case by case basis. But all we ask for really is to communicate with us. Hey, I lost my job. I can't make payments. We're going to say, okay, that's that, you know, it is what it is. This is something that, you know, we're, we're going to be here to work with you. And so we'll say, can you make any kind of payments? And you may say, no, I, I don't have anything. I don't even know how I'm going to put dinner on the table tonight, right? We'll say, that's fine. Take the next three months, the next 90 days, we'll go ahead and just defer your payments. And then on, you know, like the 88th, 89th day, we'll reach back out. We reach back out. Hey, how's it going? Is, did you get a new job? Are you back up and back up and going? You may say, no, not yet. We'll say, no worries. We're going to keep going another 90 days. And we're going to keep doing that for up to one year, right? Again, it is case-by-case -case basis, but as long as there's a communication process going on, uh, that's what we generally do. 
And so who, what other financing company do you know that would allow a homeowner to stay in their house without making any payments for one whole year? Wow. Right? And so again, it, what, what drew me to this business, not only was it the fact that, you know, that it's something that stays close and true to our religion, but it's something where you have a company that's standing with you, right? Not someone that you're going to, they're going to see you on the ground and say, oops, and just step right over you and say, too bad, so sad, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a phenomenal product to be working with. More and more uh, Muslim Americans are being drawn to this. And as a matter of fact, even non-Muslims are being drawn to this for the simple fact of this is ethical, right? This is what financing should be like. You know, I, I this is my biggest investment of my entire life. I don't want to be left out on the street if something happens to me. I want someone that's going to be there to help me out. So rather than having an interest-bearing loan, that's not what we're talking about. You're talking, you collect a, a utilization fee or a profit on right. your uh, ownership stake. Um, right. I, I, I think you're right. It sounds similar, but it, but it really is a completely different way of thinking about it. And and I can I can definitely see that. So my, I guess my question is: um, Are these? And this is maybe getting into the weeds. But how does the uh, liquidity of your operation uh, come in? So uh, are these something that can be sold after market, or do, can would Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, do they do they buy these? Uh, do they buy these products absolutely very very good question yes. and they actually they don't just buy them they beg them for, they beg us for them right yeah. because you know historically speaking the muslim american community has been very very good about making sure their mortgage is paid you know they they will literally stop eating but make sure their house is paid because if you think about it from this way alex if if you're out on the street if you don't have anywhere to live then you're you know food is the least of your concerns you know you're right. it's just a compounding issue so they they make sure their payments are made they also love the structure of what we do as a matter of fact we received the rise award from uh Fannie Mae uh, back in 2000 and uh, I want to say 14 or 15 I can't remember the exact year uh, basically, it's their version of, of like an innovative uh, award for someone that's that's coming out and doing things uh, differently. I'm so sorry. It was 2010 when we received it, right after the, uh, the the major bubble that we had, right? Yeah. And and the reason why they gave it to us is because they were like, you guys are doing something completely different, and and we love it. You know, you know we love this uh, this this different approach that helps customers rather than uh, you know leaves them hanging high and dry in case of something happening. That's amazing. And, and, and I guess that it's something that we talk about so rarely. And I think one of the reasons why we don't talk about it very much is because um, I, I'm afraid that they're in, in our very competitive marketplace. I talked about this a little bit before you came mm -hmm. on. We have such a competitive marketplace right now. I'm afraid that people don't know what they're looking at and they yeah. neglect to explain it properly uh, to uh, their client. And so can you tell us a little bit about what to look for or what, like when to, how to identify uh, this product and understand it a little better better, and, and explain how to communicate it to the uh, seller? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, you know, let's say I'm a real estate agent and I, I meet with a family and, you know, there's there's some telltale signs sometimes that you can find out, you know, like if, for example, if the if the wife is wearing a head cover, then usually that's a Muslim family that you can approach and say, hey, by the way, um, I know that, you know, in your faith, you guys don't deal in interest. 
Um, I have a company that I can refer you that can help you buy your house while staying true to your religion. Um, names sometimes can help a lot. Obviously, you know, a, a person named Muhammad is 99.9% .9 of the time is Muslim, right? Um, now, practicing or not, that's a different story, but a Muhammad is always going to be Muslim. And so if you if you can determine that one of your clients is, is a Muslim, they may have never heard of this option. They may think that, hey, they have no choice but to buy their home through a conventional, you know, interest-bearing thing. And, and believe me, that's weighing heavy on their heart. And so imagine you coming in, this, this hero, this, this knight on a horse type situation saying, hey, hold on, you can still buy this house and you can sleep easy at night. They're going to love you for it. You know, we held a training uh, a while back and I'd love to do one uh, for, for, uh, for your agents as well. It's, uh, it was more like a cultural training, like what to do, what not to do. And I, I love the story. I don't know if I, if I told Amber the story or not, but it was, it's one of my proudest moments. You know, how you have these like achievements that, that you get and you're like, yes, this was good. We were in Houston and, and we had a, a room full of agents. I think we had maybe about 7,500 agents in there. And, you know, I was just going over some of the different nuances and what to do and what not to do. And one of the things that we were talking about was physical touch. Right. And so in the Muslim community, you know, we have so much respect for our spouses that, you know, we we try not to touch people, members of the opposite gender. Right. So if I'm I'm a guy, I'll shake another guy's hand. But for respect out of for my wife, I won't try to shake a, a lady's hand just to be, you know, just to keep that, you know, respect to, to the wife and, and vice versa. And so I was explaining this is like, look, if you're if you're a female agent, when you meet the couple, you're more than welcome to shake the wife's hand. Um, I'm sure they would love it. You can even come in and give them a hug. They, they will love that. But when it comes to the to the husband, just put your hand on your chest and just say, nice to meet you. And so they were like, oh, OK, that's interesting. A lot of people were asking more questions. And so, you know, I, I would say maybe about a month or so after it happened, I got a random phone call from from Houston. And it was one of the agents that attended this training. And she said, Mohammed, I, I have to thank you. I, I cannot tell you how awesome that training was. And, and I want to tell you a story. I said, by all means. She's like, I met with a couple, lovely couple. And I did exactly what you told me to do. I shook the wife's hand. And when it came to the husband, I put my hand on my chest. And the husband just looked at me kind of puzzled for a second. And then he just brushed it off. And they ultimately ended up going with her. They, they were interviewing different agents. And they chose her as their agent. And so... She was curious. And so she said, you know, if I could just ask you guys, what was it that made you choose me out of all of the other agents that you interviewed? And the husband said, you know, I realized that you obviously recognize that we're a Muslim family and our values are something that's very important to us. And you recognize the fact that, you know, you shouldn't extend your hand to, the, to, the, to me as the husband unless I extend it to you. And to me, that just showed me that you care, right? And that you genuinely care about us and who we are and, and and respect our values and for that reason we chose you as our real estate agent and by the way I, I followed up with her recently they have actually sent her three more of their family members to buy the house so like how about a win on that right yeah. just this small little thing is don't shake the guy's hand got her this all this business and, and so you know it's it's just these little things sometimes that can really make a difference for our customers and show them that we really care right yeah. Um, and Alex, I think you were you were mentioning a little bit about sometimes we don't explain things fully, right? Right. And unfortunately, sometimes um, my my peers, my counterparts on the conventional side, 
sometimes, you know, ethics isn't the highest thing on, on their list, unfortunately, right? And you'll see where, you know, our customers will say, hey, I got a rate that's like one whole percent lower than yours. Let's say we're quoting them at 7%, they're getting a rate at 6% at another company. And, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions about Islamic financing is that we're way more expensive than conventional. And, and that's not the case at all. So when something, someone comes to me and they're like, I got to quote one whole percent less, the first thing I say is go ask them how much they're charging you in points. And lo and behold, they're getting charged a whole bunch of points. What we do is we say, look, Mr. Customer, this is your rate today. This is how much you have to pay in points. Our guys work on an ethical, moral compass before anything else. Even if it means we don't earn the business from the customer, it's okay. At least we know that we did what's right. And so, you know, again, with working with our realtor partners and helping our customers understand, like, look, you may get a lower quote. You may, you may get this, but you're not going to get the ethics and you're not going to get, you know, the, the religious beliefs that, uh, that can be provided to you by Guidance Residential. Very good. So, Mohammed, you keep answering answering like all the questions I have. Like, you're doing such an amazing job. You're like, I have a question. Mohammed Thank you. It. So you're doing amazing. Um, I've done a few of these, so I, I kind of you know where this is coming from. Um, one of the things you mentioned um, in passing was that you do not have to be Muslim in order to use Islamic financing. So, what are so you mentioned ethics? What are some other reasons why someone may choose to go this route versus going the more traditional um, mortgage route? Very good question. So our customer service is top notch. You know, the 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 ethical side of, of financing, like I said, you know, I had a family recently, they just they, they just called us out of the out of the blue and said, hey, we want to finance with you. And again, out of curiosity, I, you know, you, you obviously can't ask the question, hey, what religion are you? Right. <laughs> That's obviously as discrimination, first of all, uh, and we would never do it. But I, I kind of got a little bit of, of the information. And I said, Dude, I just want to ask you, what was it that drew you to guidance residential? And they're like, you know, Mohammed, we were just, we literally Googled ethical financing and your company name came up as the first one. And I said, well, that's great. You know, but what about our company? She's like, well, we went on your website and we saw, we read about your default policy. We read about how you guys have your scholars, the, the, the religious scholars that, that monitor and audit your, your processes and procedures. And to us, you know, even though we don't believe in your faith, but we believe that, you know, some kind of faith is better than nothing. And, you know, and I don't want to get into the words that they started using about the conventional financing, but that was really the biggest thing that pulled them is that, again, ethics was was the biggest thing for them. And of course, the customer service that we provided was top notch. I love that. But I, I just bought a house and I'm kind of like, maybe I should have researched more options that I didn't even realize was an option for me. Yeah. I have another question for you. And sure. this is probably really random, but I'm a random kind of girl. Um, you talked about being partners with the homeownership or the homeowner and like that percentage changes over time when it yeah. comes time to sell their home. I'm mm -hmm. assuming they're a partner with you in the, the selling and did you all sign off on the contract. Do you tell them how much they're able to accept for that? How does the selling of the house work? So we're a silent partner, right? We don't get involved in any day-to-day -day activities. Uh, everything is, is up to the homeowner to do. So the selling of the home is exactly the same as if you were with anyone else. If you get a contract, you know, let's say you list the house for 500,000, you have a $200,000 balance left with us. We'll take, you know, after all fees and everything is paid, we'll take our 200,000, the, the seller will, will retain all of the equity. So all of that is exactly the same. There's, we don't get involved in saying, hey, don't, sell it for 500, you need to sell for 505. That's that's not something that we get involved in. So really quickly mm -hmm. on a, let's say that where I receive an offer as a seller 
um, from with a pre-approval from your organization, what are some things to look at on a pre-approval that might be different than a traditional pre-approval? So usually we're, we're seeing a mention of interest. So rather than interest, what would be the keyword to look for? Um, and rather than term, what would be the keyword to look for? Type of loan, what would be the keyword to look for? What are those differentiating factors and how would you recommend an agent go about explaining it to a, uh, to a seller? Or, or would you, would you uh, encourage them to approach it in a completely different way than they would approach a conventional loan in their explanation? Sure, sure. So instead of the word interest, you're going to see the word profit, right? Because ultimately, and for something to have interest, it has to be a loan. And we're not doing loan. We're, we're, we're in this partnership together. Term will be the same. It'll still say 15-year term, 20-year term, 30-year term. That doesn't, that doesn't need to change. Um, as far as anything to explain to the seller, there really isn't much. Now, um, it depends on the state, but like I'll tell you, I'm actually based out of Dallas, Texas. And here in Texas, there is one extra document that the seller would need to sign, but in Kansas and Missouri, that, that document does not exist. Um, but essentially, you know, what's going to happen is the only thing that the seller might see that's different is instead of the house, you know, the deed going from the seller's name to the buyer's name alone, they're going to see the deed going from the seller's name to the buyer's name along with our name, right? And uh, just for the purpose of liability protection for the sell for the buyer and ourselves, we open an LLC, a limited liability corporation. So the seller might see, you know, deed going from their name to buyer Muhammad Kassar and uh, LLC one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? And so, but for them, nothing changes. They'll still get their money on the exact same day, the exact same way. Everything is exactly the same. Um, you know, there's there's no need for the for the buyer or the seller to put our name on the purchase contract. All that is done in the back end. Uh, via the deeds with the title company and the attorney's offices. Got it. Okay. So you execute a quick claim after closing. Is that the procedure no, then? Or, we, no? we actually, we, we're actually doing the deed on the, at the time of closing. At with, the time of so closing. It's going from the seller to the buyer and guidance together. It's almost okay. like having two buyers on the contract, but no need to put the second buyer's Understood. name on the contract. Very good. I, I think this is incredible information. I think that there are people who, uh, uh, would receive this and not understand what they're looking at or way overanalyze it and not understand that it is just exactly uh, the same for the seller and there isn't anything to be you know, concerned about. Uh, there are people that just have never heard of this kind of a mechanism before. And so I think that uh, you be being willing to uh, explain it and, and spread the word, not just about it in terms of Islamic financing, but in terms of it being an opportunity for, for anybody that's more interested in a different approach to financing. I, I think that that's, uh, it's amazing what you're doing. So I really appreciate you being with us today. So, Mohammed, we always end with one last question. And the last question is, what else? What else should we have asked you? What else should we be talking about? What else do you want to let our listeners know before you go and come visit us in Kansas City? Absolutely. Absolutely. The only thing I would add is this is obviously a very complex topic, um, especially for the buyer side. You know, the buyers are going to be asking a lot of questions. And so what I always recommend to my realtor partners is let me do the explaining. Right. If you have someone that starts asking you, you know, you mentioned Islamic financing, they're going to start asking you all these questions you may not have the correct answers to. Just say, listen, I just know that they're there. My best advice to you is call them and then just give them our phone number, give them our email address, give them our website and let them reach out to us and we will do the explaining for them. Just to help you not get it, get you know caught up in the nuances of 
what Islamic financing is and, and what it is not. Because as complicated as you may think or may have thought it was, our community makes it even more complicated because it's one of those things where they're like, is it too good to be true? It might be too good to be true. And then they start trying to poke holes at it. So we, we'll, we'll do that for you guys. We'll help you with that. And, and, and again, our, our business is to send you business, right? Uh, you know, we have, we have customers that come to us all the time that say, I don't have a real estate agent. We say, that's fine. We have realtors for you in, the, in that particular area. And uh, we actually have a sister company called Guidance Home Services. I wish I had more time to explain more about it. But Guidance Home Services, very briefly, is a real estate referral network where we have realtors that sign up in different areas. And we send pre-qualified and pre-approved buyers out to those agents um, to, to help you get, you know, tap into this community. Um, I'll tell you, um, there's the word, the, 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 the number of, of, uh, of, of potential business has a B in front of it, right? It's a, it's a billion dollars, more than a billion dollars. Just Texas alone has the potential to have a billion dollars worth of Islamic financing contracts every single year. And so there's a lot of business that your agents can be tapping into. I'd love to have you guys reach out to us and ask us more questions. Um, our, our phone number is 866-GUIDANCE, G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E. Um, you're welcome to reach out to me directly. Uh, my phone number is uh, 817-482-9978. Um, and I would love to answer any questions that may arise from, from this. And, and I'm actually going to be visiting uh, the Kansas City area within the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'd love to maybe even meet up with you guys. And, and, and if there's any agents that have questions, we do lunch and learns all the time uh, where we go into brokerages, office, broker offices. And, you know, during their uh, weekly or biweekly or even monthly uh, sales meetings, uh, we'll bring lunch, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll give you something. And, you know, just allow us to be able to present this to your agents. And, you know, a lot of times we get questions that like, didn't, no, no one thought to ask before this. So I definitely appreciate the time and uh, and the uh, and the opportunity to explain this to you guys. And I'm glad that we cleared uh, some misconceptions for you. Thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.